Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. In this episode, I hopefully am going to do the episode on the Bar Airman interview from Issues Etc., as well as the book um, that I really wished I would have done the first time. I was certainly reactive to that interview. It really threw me for a loop a bit, and I just kind of launched off. And hopefully we're going to hone it in here, wrap it up, and talk about it in a way that uh, is sensible to everybody, including myself. So we'll give it a shot here and see how it goes. Let's give out the thanks and we'll get started. First of all, thanks to Cody F. Miller for the use of his piece, Balaam, uh, that serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thank you to Michael Onquist and Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World. And thanks, as always, to my ministry coach of pure awesomeness. You can contact Gene for great ministry coaching at Gene. I'm sorry, revtally at gmail.com. I gave out his personal email address there. <laughs> so, revtally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Faith is critical to the Christian faith. So if you're looking to prove the resurrection, that in fact to prove that God raised Jesus from the dead, you cannot do this. This is not faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God and believing, not seeing. Right? The scripture teaches this as well. But the good news is, Christian, that I believe the evidence does point to these two events happening that, that Jesus was crucified that Jesus rose from the dead I believe there's plenty of evidence to support both of those events happening in space time and history but we have to take the step of faith to believe it and we're given that faith by God if something doesn't even come from us God gives us the faith and, and the thing of it is in, in contrast to maybe what Dr. Ehrman thinks about it's a step of faith and certainly not a leap of faith right we, we don't have to go that far we really look into the evidence and try to understand it it's not a, a leap of faith it's not this blind faith that doesn't have any people have said this before right? you've heard these things Right? You, you know, if you've been around Christianity at all long enough, they'll, you know, it's not a it's not a leap of faith. There's plenty of evidence to support it, but it is a step of faith. And if and a step of faith that certainly is given by God. So so we need we do. Dr. Aram is absolutely right. We need to leave off on this notion of trying to prove that God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? I mean in, in an historical sense, in a in an empirical sense. We believe it. We have faith. But that is not what the point is. The point is not for us to be able to prove it. Paul doesn't teach us by proof of certain historical facts you will be saved. Paul does not teach us this. Paul teaches us faith. And we do need to, at the end of the day, always remember that it is a matter of faith and not a matter of um, proving anything in an, in an historical sense it is a divine intervention into our hearts and our lives that causes us to have the faith to believe these things okay at the end of the day that's what it is and it's not 
the work of, a, of an historian. The work of the historian is important. It can it can help our faith. It can strengthen our faith. Just like Dr. Ehrman did here with me, there's a couple points he brought up that really strengthened my faith. That helped me to believe more in, in, what, the, in what the Bible claims uh, about Jesus Christ. Okay? The historians are there to help us have faith, not not to prove faith. Right? So let's let's land squarely on that, and we can all, I hope, agree with Dr. Ehrman on that point. Okay? And he brings that out very clearly in the book, and I was very happy with that. What I was disappointed with, and, and honestly what seems suspect to me, is this interview. Again, I'm not sure what he was going for here. Maybe just people just like me. He's like, oh, I'm going to put up, I'm going to, because he really seemed to put up almost a, a straw man version of his, uh, of his position. And that, that was at least my opinion. I don't want to get too harsh on Dr. Ehrman here, you know. But it, but it just, boy, it really seemed like uh, this is this is not good. And so maybe that was his game plan to say, oh, I'm going to kind of put up this, and, and, uh, and maybe these conservatives are going to go out. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm judging. I, but it just seems weird to me. The interview was very disappointing. I thought Dr. Ehrman could have done a much better job of presenting a little bit of the material in his book that would have that would have said, okay, yeah, you know, this is this is honestly, this is legit in a sense. But but he really didn't do that, and so, uh, and that's what started this whole uh, kerfuffle I'm into now. But uh, hopefully, end it right here. This is good. I am going to end it. This is it. I'm done with this after this. Um, so the interview disappointed me, right? And, and the epilogue of the book definitely disappointed me because I, I don't see how the epilogue of the book basically lays out Ehrman's beliefs. Right about these things, and I don't see how he can say he's doing history when he is inserting his beliefs, his interpretation. I mean, just blatantly uh, at the end of his book. You know, I just I don't know. Maybe uh, that's a yeah. I, I just don't understand that. It doesn't make sense because he's he's saying no. Basically, my belief is that Jesus is dead. Uh, he died, and he's not going to be coming back. Um, that's that's basically what he presents at the end of the book. The the other thing that that, that disappointed me in in, uh, in things was uh, what I feel like again. And I had the audio version, so I may have to go out and actually buy a copy of this to just see what, how who he really quotes. I don't know, but he's it, but it seems like, and this is pretty much true for. Um, for especially the pop side of things, you you present your scholars, you present those who support your evidence, and you pr- pretty much leave out everybody else. Whereas in more scholarly scholarly scholarly, if I can say this, uh, work, you're you're gonna you're actually gonna present some uh, some of the other side to be sure, if even to bolster your own case, to juxtapose your case against theirs. See. Uh, and and I and I I was a little disappointed at the relative silence of, of conservative scholars in the book, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, also, little personal anecdotal information here. Okay, so I went to Claremont School of Theology, right? And uh, the New Testament professor that I sat under there was very close, uh, as far near as I could tell. I don't know how close they were, but they were certainly uh, colleagues aware of each other. Um, Dr. Ehrman and this professor. And so, uh, one thing that this guy was really motivated by was was defending the Jews, right? And, and Ehrman really brings this out, especially in the epilogue of his book, to talk about how cruelly the Jews were treated after uh, Christianity was legalized in, in the 4th century uh, by Constantine. And he's right. He's absolutely right. 
there's no question Christians turn the tables on the Jews and in, in, in a hardcore harsh way anti-Semitism became like the flavor of the month the flavor of several centuries and he's absolutely right about that but it seems like there's there's still this vendetta there to say okay you know even though thank goodness Christians have moved past this I mean it was even after Martin Luther Martin Luther hated Jews and Martin Luther was uh, in trust me I rely on Martin Luther for a great deal of my theology all right but the man wasn't perfect okay he wrote a, a, a treatise called the Jews and their lies and he is clearly anti-semitic in this and there's no excuse for it whatsoever but it seems that this is something that Christianity has recognized as a sin and have, has moved past at least I hope we have and, and it hasn't been um, I I understand it's only been in recent decades it, it, you know there was there was anti-Semitism, you know, rampant still, 50s, 60s, you know, maybe even into the 70s of the 20th century. So this is something that that the tide has turned against, and hopefully we've finally put this away because anti-Semitism is a sin. The 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 modern Jews today did not kill Jesus. They did not, as as they used to say in the fortunes, the Jews killed their own God. Well, this is patently ridiculous. Okay, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council of the first century, plotted to have Jesus crucified. I will agree. But that was the Sanhedrin of the first century, and should not, that, that, that blame should not be transferred to, to Jews in, in every generation. That's just re- utterly ridiculous. And this is what Christians have done. Right? And we should not do this. This is not good. And hopefully we have moved past this, but Dr. Ehrman, at least in my estimation, seems like this. It seems like it's saying, you know what? We have got to we have got to suppress Christianity now because they have suppressed the Jews. We have got to suppress the truth of Christianity because this is this religion, this Christian religion, is patently anti-Semitic. It has to be, and that I will disagree with him on. Seems like he's got that motive though, to say, okay. If we want to get rid, of, if we want to stamp out all anti-Semitism, we've got to get rid of Christianity, at least the historic Christianity. That seems like a motive. Could be wrong about it. I'm judging here, but he really does make a strong statement about Christian anti-Semitism that he is right about. But I think no longer exists today, and I think we have recognized it as a sin. We should confess it, which I'm doing right now. We, the Christian faith, traditionally has been very anti-Semitic, and that is a sin, and we should repent of that sin. Um, and and that this is not good. We should not be racists. <laughs> I think we've dis- established that. If, if you haven't figured that out as a Christian yet, then um, you know, shoot me an email. Let's talk because you need to. Racism is a sin. Okay, and that is the answer. The Bible teaches us that 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 is a sin, and we should believe what the Bible has to say about that. But. Dr. Ehrman thinks we need to... I don't know. I'm wondering if Dr. Ehrman thinks we need to get rid of Christianity <coughs> as kind of the last remnant of anti-Semitism. All right? This is kind of a theme I'm, I'm finding within more, the more of the liberal, higher critical scholarship. Just my opinion. Now, here we go. And I'm not going to try and kind of get too crazy with this. I'm going to give you what I really think, and then we're going to be done with this. And this is my unadulterated opinion, all right? Airman has an agenda. 
I, I believe that. Now, I could be wrong, but I think he's got an agenda. And here it is. I, From my estimation, from where I'm sitting, looking at um, the past few years of this battle in the academic arena, I think he's losing the battle. Uh, due largely to guys like Dan Wallace and Richard Bachman. Now, Dan Wallace, we had a clip of him in, in an earlier podcast. He, he's, a lower, he's a lower textual critic. And what low, lower textual critics do is they find um, manuscript evidence and they take all the manuscript evidence that they have that's, that's of the New Testament and they put it together and they try to determine as close as they can what the original document might have said. Okay, so they might take a fragment from, you know, we mentioned P52. That's a, that's a fragment from John. And, and, and then they might take uh, the, Codex, uh, the Codex Sinaiticus, right? And then they may take this other fragment and this other scroll or whatever. And they put it all together and they say, okay, well, this one says this. This one says, says it this way. And they're all just a little bit different here. And then they all have a little bit different variation. But from all the variations, we can probably get a really good idea, a very close idea of what the original might have actually said. Okay, that's what Dan Wallace does. And Dan Wallace, again, has found, um, well, it hasn't found, but, but, but has noted and is working on getting all of these manuscripts photographed so people can look at them. And, um, and he talks about P52, if you recall, and how early that is. Now, again, he's, I, can't, I still can't find it. I've been looking around. He's, he was supposed to come out with this announcement early this year, but they may still be working on the book or something. I don't know, but there's supposed to be this big announcement about something they found. So hopefully they'll come out with that because I haven't heard yet. But anyway... Um, when it comes out, I'll let you know. Uh, but anyway, Dan Moss's work is is really starting to erode uh, a lot of the assumptions of the higher critic of the higher critics, right? Just like we talked about P fifty two. If you if you remember, if you, if you don't, go back and check out that, that podcast. But P fifty two, I mean, sent like Dan Moss had sent two tons of German scholarship to the flames. Just that little bit of evidence. So. So Wallace's Wallace's work is is uh, making it difficult for guys like Ehrman to, to hang around in the academic arena, and same thing with Richard Bogman. Richard Bogman is like a hardcore. He's like hardcore detective. <laughs> he does a fantastic job, and I've just begin begun reading um, his book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. I highly recommend it to you. I've just barely started reading it. I, uh, you know, I'm vaguely familiar with with some of the stuff. I've had some some of it distilled to me. Um, but just beginning to just the beginnings of reading it, whoa! This I mean, and the thing's like 500 pages long, and it's just it's, it's going to be chock full of all this detective work that Bachman has done to show that that not only are Matthew, Mark, and Luke eyewitness historical accounts, but so is John, and he picks up on stuff that that, that people just haven't seen before, and they haven't, they haven't looked hard enough at the evidence. And um, this sort of thing is, is again, eroding the, uh, the ground that the higher critics has, have to stand on. And so Ehrman um, is trying his hand at the pop book thing, right, instead of going into the, the academic arena to battle it out and, and that sort of thing. He's losing too much ground there. This is my opinion. Okay, this is just what I really think. I'm just being honest with you here. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong. But I think he's losing it in the academic arena, and so he's trying his hand at the, at, the, at these pop books, and they're, and they're very un, unfair to, to the layman, because if you don't know anything, man, Dr. Ehrman's books are enormously convincing. I mean, I found myself 
you know, he, he presents some very serious challenges to the traditional thinking on, on, on Jesus that, that really make you think and think, wait a minute, now, that's, boy, that makes a lot of sense. And if you don't know the arguments, <laughs> then, um, then he, it's very convincing what he lays out there. Very convincing. Because he, he he's a brilliant man. He's well-researched. He knows the arguments. He knows what to present and what to, what to suppress. Okay? And, and he is getting a huge following, especially among the, the, the Islamic community. This is, Ehrman's books are one thing the Islamic community is readily picking up to debunk Christianity. To give to their people to say, hey, here's, here's a guy that used to be a Christian that isn't anymore that completely debunks Christianity. Learn this. And then when you have any problems with a Christian trying to convert you, you just lay this on him and you're good. You know, so so it, they're becoming enormously popular in the pop culture, and um, you know uh, that that I think is his uh, is his is his play right now. Okay, so you know that's what I think is happening, and you know I my thing is what has always been surprising to me, you know. On wherever you land on the Christian Christian spectrum, we're all so dug in, you know. We, we're all so dug into our positions that that we, we can't listen to anybody else, and and we can't discuss things in a way where where we can both learn from one another. There is nothing, friends. There is nothing wrong with that. You know, I spend a lot of my time on Facebook and and the internet and what have you, and on the blogosphere conversing with uh, with folks who I sharply disagree with but we all I hope really try to to present our our our, uh, our beliefs in a way that are not so vitriolic where we just when nobody wants to discuss these things okay this is something I think that we Christians especially as very conservative folks like me need to need to get a handle on because you know part of our part of our call from Scripture is to preach is to preach the gospel to all nations and baptize them, right? And if we ever hope to, to accomplish that, we've got to figure out a better way to converse about our faith than, than all this vitriol. And trust me, I'm I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. But we got to get better at it. But okay, that aside, <laughs> speech over. I <laughs> started preaching there a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, Airman does the same thing. Everybody does this. This is what's been mind-blowing to me to see from going from Dallas Seminary to Biblical Seminary and then and, and saying, okay, well, these people are really entrenched in this position and they're not getting, they're shielded from anything outside of it and, and then to go to Claremont to a place where it's supposed to be this kinder, gentler, more compassionate, more accepting, more open to find that they're just as closed off as a Dallas Seminary and they're just as dogmatic as the most staunch uh, uh, fundamentalists is, is, is amazing to me. And Airman is, is no different here. I mean, he's supposed to be the kinder, gentler, more compassionate side of things, right? This is what he's going to claim. And I'm going to, I'm going to play this clip at the end of the interview that, that claims this. Yet, um, it, just, it just seems that, that he is taking this tack that, 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 honestly, we Christians have taken in the past, too, to try to convince people unfairly without presenting both sides of things, and, or at least being fair to another side. Okay. So, so at any rate, that is what I think is going on. I'm not saying for sure it's what's going on inside of Dr. Ehrman. I don't really know the man. I don't know him. All I know is what I sense when I hear him speak and when I read his books. And that is what I'm sensing happening 
in my experience, and it can be complete bunk. <laughs> and I'm willing to admit that, but that's what I believe is happening and what is going on. So with that, I'm going to play a, a clip at the end of this, this interview that Dr. Ehrman did and uh, talk a little bit about that, and then we really will be done. Well, I should say that I don't think you should close your eyes to the realities of the Gospels. Um, if you want to say the Gospels have no discrepancies because that's going to help you on your deathbed, that's one thing. But the reality is the Gospels do have discrepancies, and uh, I can show them to you time after time after time. If you want to refuse to believe that they're there because you're afraid of how you're going to die, then I think that that's just an ostrich putting his head in the sand. Uh, the historical Jesus, for me, tells me not how to die. It tells me how to live. Uh, for me, the, the historical Jesus taught that if you're going to enter into this kingdom of God, you need to, uh, you need to live a life of love. Uh, and that's how I believe we ought to live our lives, that we ought to love one another, we ought to give of ourselves to one another, we ought to um, sacrifice for the sake of other people, because there are so many people suffering in the world, we ought to do something about it. So it's really not about, am I going to go to heaven when I die, uh, which is a very self-centered understanding, in my view, of, of why to believe. Uh, in my view, we should be self-giving rather than self-centered, and that Jesus is the one who shows us how to do that. It is the Easter season. Um, one last question, if you permit it. You, you can't basically kind of take the agnostic view in your book of Jesus' resurrection, so it kind of naturally leads me to the question, I do not mean this in a, in a capricious way, but is the historical Jesus dead? Yes, he is. He died, and uh, we're all going to die, and the world's going to die. The universe is going to end. Uh, things do come to an end. And um, Jesus himself personally died, but his message of love can live on, and we should live according to that message. So after death, does the historical Jesus deliver you into life? Is there, is there a kingdom beyond that for you? No, there's no, there's no life after death. Uh, for the mosquito I just swat, or for my cat who just died, or for me. Uh, this is the end of the story. So our, our lives now are not dress rehearsals for something that's going to happen later. Uh, this life is all there, there is, and so we should live life to the fullest now because this is a great gift that we have. Uh, and we should help other people who are not able to live full lives now because this is all there is for them as well. Uh, and so there's not an afterlife that's going to make right all that's wrong. Uh, we have to make what right what's wrong now, because this is it. So this is really the unadulterated doctrine of Dr. Ehrman. Really what he believes. And he reflects that here in the interview probably as strongly as he reflects anything else. And he reflects this in the epilogue of his book as well. And so my suspicion is, and I just wonder if he's, he's got this agenda with, uh, with, with protecting the Jews, this, uh, this very noble idea of, uh, of beating down anti-Semitism. But I also wonder if it's a pendulum swing and a reaction to something he feels like is an injustice and maybe a misunderstanding really of what the church and Christianity is really all about, and, and, and that's the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ forgives sins, because at the end of the day, what, what Dr. Ehrman is presenting here is what I would de 
finally determined is all law and no gospel. Notice what he says at the end. It's up to us to make the most of this life. And unfortunately for me, if it's up to me, I'm, I'm doomed. <laughs> I, I really have no capacity whatsoever to make it happen, to make the best of it. I need the, I need the intervention of a crucified and risen Savior in the, in the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that Dr. Ehrman does as well. And, and if Dr. Ehrman were to ever hear of this podcast, which I seriously doubt he will, even if I sent it to him, I doubt he'd listen to it. He might. I don't know. Who knows? But if he, if he did hear this, I would want him to hear one thing. That the Christian life is, at the end of the day, about the forgiveness of sins. Which I find to be one of the deepest needs of the human race. Because when your sins are forgiven, when you finally realize that it is finished, that Jesus did all the required work, and then we're not required to do anything else, and that everything we need, we have in Christ, as, as Tully and Chibitian likes to put it, then we're free to give of ourselves. And, and the way Dr. Ehrman is talking about, and this is all really predicated on, on believing that Jesus is God, on believing that, that, that God raised him from the dead. And I would say that's the essence and the core of what, what Dr. Ehrman is kind of trying to discount, all while not realizing what he's actually depriving the human race of in some ways, that indeed, once a person realizes that their sins are forgiven by God and that they're completely and unconditionally loved by the supreme being of the universe... And that, this, and that this is just a, a nice little philosophy to think of to comfort us or, or, or something that's going to make something that's going to make our, our, our dying easier, but something that's actually going to make our living exactly what he's talking about, something that is for others and that lives for others instead of ourselves. Because indeed, when you realize, as I said, that everything you need, you have in Christ, and his finished work on the cross, then that does indeed begin you on a journey of giving everything in service to the neighbor. And I am convinced that the more human beings that realize this truth, the more of what Dr. Ehrman hopes that this world could be and what human beings might do in the span of their lifetimes might become a reality. And I would charge Dr. Ehrman. Dr. Ehrman reminds me of Paul. Quite seriously. Someone who persecuted the church. Who was, who, who was a, uh, a devoted religious individual who spent his time actually killing Christians and ter- trying to tear down this, this movement of a crucified and risen Savior. And when he met Jesus in his fullness and the grace of that Jesus offered, gripped his heart. He was an incredibly powerful preacher. I could see Dr. Ehrman really becoming... Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Dr. Bart Ehrman all of a sudden saying, you know what? I've reconsidered the truths, the truth claims of Christianity by, and by some power, and I would call it the Holy Spirit, he says, I have come to realize the truth that my sins are forgiven and 
because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to start preaching this message. What an impact that might cause. It would certainly cause ripples in the, in the academic community, that's for sure. And Dr. Aaron might lose some face, but he might become this powerful preacher just like St. Paul was. And I hope for Dr. Ehrman. I really do. And he wonders why people are so concerned about him. <laughs> he's very he's a very public figure. I understand that. But um, but but I think all genuine Christians, people that have had their hearts gripped by the grace of God are concerned with anybody who doesn't understand this and, and in a sense have compassion for them. And that's why there are so many that are concerned for him and hope that one day he will experience the grace that forgives sins and is able to, therefore, realize that everything he needs, he has in Christ, and therefore, live out the gospel. And may, by the grace of God, and the intervention in his life, and many others, people come to realize this, and we indeed start to live out the reality of sins forgiven by grace, and the freedom that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godstillspeaksthroughjackasses. And follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at JesusJackass. Please rate and review the cast on Stitcher and iTunes. That helps us quite a bit there as it gets us a little higher on the playlist with those folks and Tell your friends about the cast, especially if you're a little shy about sharing the gospel. Plus that, your friends will laugh when they hear you say, God still speaks through jackasses. I may fold their brown, deep and furrow brown, uncanny and so clever, it's our newest plan ever, got tired of whining. All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976, 17, Section 107, Fair Use. Save the